her book on the Bear family. Okay, thank you. Uh, I have to apologize before I start because I got my notes, I managed to get my notes all mixed up and in a big pile, it's, you know, it's, it's not easy to, to do such a calamitous thing. So I'm going to be winging it most of the evening, but I have backup. I have Paul, uh, Paul is here tonight. And uh, I thought he sat down. Is that, is that in the shadows? There you are. <laughs> uh, anyway, I can depend on him to fill me in or correct me if I get things wrong. Um, the uh, Ringling influence started back when uh, the uh, circus came to town. <clears throat> the circus did not ordinarily come to Montana because we didn't have enough people. Uh, there, they were, there weren't enough people to come to, to make it profitable. However, if they were crossing Montana, going to Washington or back or whatever, they ha always had to stop and water the animals and feed them anyway. So if they had to stop for that reason, they scheduled a, a, a circus. <clears throat> um, the the uh, circus uh, that we want to start with was the one that... Uh, and my mind is gone here. Um, well, I might have to get the... I do apologize. I'm not usually so... Whoops. I'm not usually this discombobulated, but... I find that <clears throat> I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> so. uh, John Ringling was the person who scheduled these stops. He traveled around the country before uh, the circus ever stopped so that um, everything was just cut and dried because they had four sections of the train or four trains, and <clears throat> in order to have a clear track for them and for the other people, why they had to be right on a schedule. And I think Paul can tell you about scheduling circuses. He traveled with them uh, later than this. <clears throat> but at any rate, uh, Lewis uh, Penwell was a, a promoter from Helena. He was... Uh, boosting Montana and trying to get people to come and invest and, <clears throat> and live here. And uh, he was after Ringling to make some purchases in Montana. So in 1903, John Ringling bought the Catlin Ranch in Mark County. And uh, <clears throat> then he started looking around. And there were hot springs at, at uh, White Sulphur Springs. So people were wanting to promote this and make it into a spa, you know, a resort type of thing. And so they asked him to look at that, too. And he, after he bought the Catland uh, 
property. He set up, a, in 1903, he set up an a, a office in White Sulphur and had, uh, Paul, what was his? I think so. Um, at any rate, he. We're not talking to a boy. He established um, his office with. Was it Calkins? Calkins, yes. Calkins. Ralph Calkins. Right. And he was with him uh, for as long as uh, I have found out. I mean, I haven't seen where he ever terminated his job with, uh, with, uh, with Ringling. Then, then uh, Ringling and uh, another man uh, bought a bunch of property in 1907 and formed a... a agricultural business. They were selling plots of land. And they also sold, uh, you know, they, they would, in order to entice people to come and, and invest in this Montana land, they, uh, <clears throat> they offered all of these advantages. You know, they would help you with uh, building. They would uh, help you with the plowing. And um, uh, John Ringling brought in some very impressive machinery for the day and age, the very latest. Uh, that one was, that particular company did pretty well, I think. Yes. And <clears throat> then uh, about 1916, uh, John Ringling looked at the war in Europe and, and thought that uh, when the war was over, there would be a market for dairy cattle and other stock that would... Uh, people would need to restock. And so he started a dairy in uh, 16. Um, so he was pretty well involved. And, and of course, um, they kept wanting a, a, a railroad. The uh, jawbone, which was uh, the uh, name for uh, the railroad that it came into uh, uh, it went from Helena to Castle, and Castle had all this ore, wonderful ore to ship out. Uh, and the uh, railroad was, was uh, called the Jawbone because it was built on Jawbone more than actual money. But anyway, they got into Castle just about in time for Castle to, to fail, and so they didn't need a railroad into Castle. So they terminated the extension up to Castle and went uh, on down the road to Harlowtown. It was Merino at that point, in order to save the investment. Now, these were on the south fork of the Muscle Shell, and White Sulphur Springs was on the north fork of the Muscle Shell, so they weren't getting into this transportation boom. Can I interrupt you there? Mm -hmm. White Sulphur Springs is on the north fork of Smith River. Smith River, what did I say? Smith River runs north of Great Falls. Oh. Muscle Shell goes down through Martinsdale and that way. Okay. Thank White you. Sulphur, my old hometown is White Sulphur Springs. I rode horseback all over that country. Yeah. But it's Smith River at White Sulphur Springs. Yeah. Well, at any rate, um, uh, 
John, John they, uh, they had uh, hot springs at, at White Sulphur. And the uh, people that lived there wanted somebody to come in, like John Ringling, and promote that and build it up into a, a tourist attraction or a health attraction, whatever. <clears throat> and uh, so then, um, uh, they, and then as I said, they needed, they wanted a, a railroad, and the nearest thing they could think of doing would be to take a 10-mile extension over to the jawbone. So th they talked to John Ringling, you know, can you do this for us? And so he said he would build a railroad if, if they would give him a little assist, and uh, they, uh, they managed to gather up $50,000 to uh, finance this railroad. Uh, <clears throat> and then uh, he went in partnership with the Milwaukee, and the, the little spur was put in. There was one fellow in, in, uh, <clears throat> in the town who was a real uh, crab. I mean, he, he didn't like anything. He, <clears throat> he didn't like, uh, he, he was a, he and his family ran a store and uh, freighting business, I think. And <clears throat> they said, oh, John Ringling was just a thief. You know, he took that money and it didn't cost him that much to build the railroad, but he got the rest of it. Well, actually, that's probably true, but that doesn't mean that he didn't get the job done for them. And so the, um, the, the little spur from White Sulphur over to Ringling, and, and Ringling actually was not, uh, it was uh, leader. And uh, they, uh, uh, they got the spur over that far, and... Uh, so, so that they could use the, the uh, Milwaukee. Um, the, the, that was another thing that uh, s sort of uh, got my interest was the, uh, there was, a, it came out in the newspaper that, uh, um, that some people were agitating to, for, for Ringling to change its name back to Leader because it, it the, 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 thought of Ringling brought up terrible images of animals being not taken care of or anything. And there was this rumor, this persistent rumor, and it exists even today, I ran into it a year ago, that um, the Ringling circus people were going to make Ringling a winner or a, a, what do you call it when you put them into the off season? Oh, winter quarters? Winter quarters, okay. Can you see uh, winter quarters in Ringling, Montana? <laughs> but anyway, this, and as I say, this, this uh, thing persists even today, that, this idea that that was going to happen. And <clears throat> then another little incidental thing that was of interest that I came across, um, F. Scott Fitzgerald was in White Sulphur, during that uh, time, and uh, he was a schoolmate of Walter Donahoe, who was uh, one of the farmer or rancher's sons in White Sulphur. And <clears throat> he, um, he came out to spend the summer with his schoolmate, and he worked on the ranch. And uh, he wrote a, 
a short story later about the caves that were there. Have you ever been in those caves? The caves? Uh -huh. Yes. I never have. I wonder how I get in. Anyway, um, uh, that was just a little item that I thought was interesting that, that I ran across. Okay, now we are, we have, we've got uh, the railroad over, and then the people, the good folks wanted John Ringling or someone to develop the spa so that it would be a place for people to come and take the waters and spend money and that sort of thing. And things got a little busy for John, and he never, got, he never, he, once again, he said if they wanted to help support it, he would do it, but uh, it never got done. And so the springs are still there. You drive over them when you drive up the main street of White Sulphur, but if you go into the motel, you can have a bath in their hot springs. Um, then, uh, now's where I missed my, my outline, but I guess we can just go down the family here. Uh, the next ringling to come to Montana was Paul's father, Richard, and he had, uh, he had just, his father had, had uh, made up a, a circus, what they call a trunk circus, uh, Anyway, they, they didn't get on it. They weren't on the railroads at that time. This little one wasn't. And after he decided he, wasn't, he didn't like that either, so he came out to Montana, and he liked it and wanted to stay. Uh, and he married one of the local girls, Aubrey, Aubrey Black. Uh, <clears throat> I had a... My mother was born in 1894 by Sulphur Springs. And her uncle was Leslie, the, the next to the last territorial governor. L-E-S-L-I-E, Leslie, not, not E-Y, but I-E. But I think he was governor of Kentucky before he came to Montana. My mother's folks came from Kentucky. They were going out to Seattle to settle, and some of these Montana promoters uh, talked them into staying in White Sulphur. They, it was such an up-and-coming town that it might even be the capital someday. <laughs> so, <clears throat> my, but <clears throat> my grandfather was in the 1899 session of the legislature that I'm sure some of you have read about. And one day I asked my mother, did you ever get any of that money? And she said, if he did, he didn't spend it at home. <laughs> <laughs> Teresa Buckingham wrote about the, the, this marriage, uh, Aubrey and, and uh, Richard. <clears throat> the surprising and innovative programs launched by Richard Ringling kept the valley in a state of their, of, of, of with their log houses and pole corrals skeptical of what was to come of all this. The townspeople stood back, but only briefly. No one had to peek over the back fence at the garden party where Richard Ringling was. He was inclusive with his invitations. Easygoing and fun-loving, he had a talent for mixing his eastern friends with his western neighbors, and everyone had fun. His advisors, his help, and his drinking companions came from the local people as much as from the show business and dude ranch circles. 
With the family's, family's easy relationship with the community, the staff was often stretched to include the townspeople. It was not unusual, for example, to hear Aunt Carrie Zentner is going to Florida with the ringlings. She used to help with the children on the train. Uh, Paul doesn't remember that. Carrie Zentner? No, but you didn't remember that, that they took people to Florida with them on the train. Well, everybody moved by railroad then. Yeah. So. Uh, ringlings are taking Bill Hensley to Sarasota for the winter. They have some work there they want him to do. The local vest vet worked for them on a full-time basis with the stock and also at large dog kennels. Just about everyone at some time or another worked at the ranches. Most high school boys could brag that they had played pool in the basement recreation room, even though none of the children in the family were then at that age. It was a common sight along a country road to meet the children in their pony cart, loaded with small friends they had picked up along the way. Aubrey trim and suntanned in ranch clothes, silver Indian jewelry and custom-made boots, always took time for an unhurried chat with old friends or ranch hands, sunning themselves on the sheepherder side of Main Street. She never forgot a name or a face or a ranch. Her charities were prompted because she knew when people were in need. The house, then they, they bought the, uh, a home, or actually John Ringling bought this uh, mansion that uh, one of the early settlers had, had built. And uh, it's still, it's still in, in white sulfur. I think there might be a picture on the, of that over there. Uh, the house, now on a truly grand scale, was furnished with massive mahogany, teakwood tapestries, and Tiffany lamps. A large Tiffany lamp hanging over the dining room had a bullet hole in it. There were as many tales about how the bullet hole got there as there were it really colors. Wasn't the bullet. It was a champagne cork. Oh. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <clears throat> the cellar, they say, was stocked on schedule. Maybe I better go sit down. <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't you dare. <laughs> Uh, the stock was the cellar was stocked on schedule by bootleggers arriving in three big open touring cars. The liquor bottles were not in cases, but individually wrapped in burlap and tied in sacks. And you said you remembered rolling some of those down. Those guns. Uh huh. Well, we had a, in our house. We had a gun room. Uh huh. And all kinds of guns. And my my dad was a great hunter. And when I was a kid, I was like a bird dog myself. I loved to hunt. Uh -huh. Everything but yeah. Big flashy cars move regularly on the dusty main street. Everyone looked important, and probably everyone was. They say the poker games were legendary. They say, they say, everyone had a story embellished according to the creativity of the teller. Uh, Aubrey's sister Olga was married in 1915 to John Kirkup in Butte. Uh, this marriage was a short one, and a year after uh, Richard and Aubrey married, she married Lester Work of Gallatin County, a wool buyer and sheep man. This marriage ended in divorce in 1919. However, the brothers-in-law, Ringing and Work, went into the ranching business together, buying the Clear Ranch range from John Ringling in 1921 and operating as Ringling and Work. Work was in charge of the sheep. The Ringlings chose Work as Paul's godfather in 1920. However, Ringling and Work ended their relationship in 1922 when Richard bought Work's interest in the operation. 
After getting established in the sheep business, Ringling moved to other fields. In 1916, John Ringling had established a dairy herd, the seed stock of the cattle herd. This is, I mentioned before, that he might use to send cattle to Europe. Uh, in 1920 and 21, additional stock was purchased. And they were all uh, purebred stock. Richard had his own stock, and in the year 20s, early 20s, took his cows to shows, winning more than 150 trophies in a few short years. Managed by J.G. Coleman, the herd boasted winners such as Rose Glenn, DeCole Arline, a Montana champion butterfat producer, and Alcarta Johnson, DeCole Burke VI, a champion who kept up her record with milk production, despite the fact that she was exhibited from county fair to county fair. Uh, and this is a part of, of rural Montana that I never heard about, you know, taking your animals to the fairs and having them judged. More than 300 gallons of milk were delivered to the creamery daily, and 100 ranchers were on the weekly payroll for bringing in cream. Uh, he built a huge barn for the cows and a creamery, and... <coughs> Shipped it all over the country. They, they, they claim it was on the, uh, or they don't claim it was, on the... Uh, Castle Mountain Gold. Was Castle it? Mountain Gold, and yes. it was on, on the trains that crossed the country. It was that, it was famous, famous butter. Uh, then, uh, in 1922, F.A. McDonald and, and Ringling purchased the Kenyon Ranch at Mule Creek. That was 120. 1,320 acres, and the shade place at Hussey Creek of 420 acres. The plan was to turn the ranchers into dairy farms, and the Kenyon place to run over 75 dairy cows, and the shade place about 50. This was an idea that Ringling had to uh, keep his keep his creamery full, but uh, you know it made good sense for all of them to be involved in this venture. Uh, so anyway, he, he bought the uh, Kenyon Ranch and the Shade Place at Hussey Creek. I mentioned that. Uh, <clears throat> then he bought the Mark Hunt property east of town of 240 acres. The Hunt Ranch was considered an ideal dairy farm. Hussey had a herd of purebred Holsteins that he sold to the Hollywood Farms in California. The few that he retained, he sold to Ringling. The barn was said to have modern dairy equipment. Ringland immediately put a crew to repaint the buildings. Anything he was involved with that he, that he built, bought, or partnered in, he made sure that they were uh, painted and kept up and uh, looked, you know, were, were, were not shabby looking. Uh, and then in 1922, he, he built a new creamery. Um, I have some other material here that we won't go into about the Holsteins. Anyway, they, they, uh, they moved the railroad station and put a creamery by the railroad track there in White Sulphur Springs. And the creamery was opened in 1923. So 
the civics club and the home, home ec department from Bozeman all came to the opening and, and catered a little luncheon so that it was a very festive affair. Uh, <coughs> the the uh, papers mentioned that uh, Richard Ringling is the owner of one of the largest and best equipped dairy plants west of Mississippi. J.H. Healy is manager of the dairy. We are milking about 460 registered Holstein cows in our plant at White Sulphur Springs and make an average of 100,000 pounds of butter a month. Mr. Ringling plans to have 50 head of show cattle and all the important fairs and shows in the east this fall. He expects to place sentries in Iowa, Illinois, Wisconsin at the Minnesota State Fair and end the season with prize winners of the International Hay and Grain Show at Chicago. Uh, he also was quite interested in, uh, in rodeoing. And in 1919, he went back to New York City and formed a, and I don't know the name of it, but it was a, an association to place or to schedule rodeos and to send scheduled riders and that sort of thing. That was in 1919. It was the same year that a group of men in Bozeman or out of Bozeman <coughs> started the Bozeman Roundup. And in 1922, they approached Ringling to uh, build them a, a stadium. Well, instead of building the stadium for him, he bought the, bought the thing from him and uh, the company from him and built his own sta uh, stadium. <laughs> I mean, there was no point in him donating it. The Bozeman Roundup Association. Yeah. Yes. And that was really one of his pet things in, in his career, that he enjoyed that a great deal. And sent, uh, or, or had, what, how, what do you call, how call it, uh, scheduled rodeos clear back in Madison Square Garden in New York. And in 1923, he sent a whole train load of cowboys and steers to rope and uh, bucking horses and horses back to New York to be in, in, uh, to appear in the Madison Square Garden. So he was uh, he loved apparently uh, not only doing things and building things, but it had to be the best. And he had plenty of money to do that. However. Uh, the money was sort of running lower on the circus for some reason. 1919, his father died. Am I right there? Yes, 1919, yeah. L.T. Ringling died. Yeah. Yes. And uh, so uh, Richard became a third owner of the circus. But he, he really wasn't a circus person. He apparently didn't like, the, like it as well as being a farmer and rancher. So uh, they struggled for a few years because we went into a depression and uh, a lot of the uh, ventures that, uh, that, that Richard had done <coughs> weren't paying very well. And he got into a scrape with, the, uh, with a, one company. Uh, he had a deal with these guys. To, they didn't have enough money to put sheep on their ranch and so he made a deal with them that he would put the sheep on and then they'd split the, had some sort of a deal. And 
over the next two or three years, uh, 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 they claimed that, that Richard was uh, stealing, well, he wasn't stealing from him. He was taking all the money, and they weren't getting anything. And there was quite a case going on that went on for a number of years. Um, okay, where am I at, Paul? Where's, what's next? I guess uh, they struggle through the uh, Depression, and then in 1931, uh, uh, Richard died. And, uh, oh, 36. Oh, he, no, 31. Even my father was 36. That's yeah. right, 31. And uh, so it, it was uh, Aubrey then who... She inherited a third of the circus, along with the ranching uh, places in, in Montana. And since it was, you know, they, the, the conditions were bad, but she, she stuck with it, and, and she even traveled with the circus and took the kids along. Uh, and it, she said in her mem memoirs, or at some place, that uh, Paul didn't like to go to the, traveling too much. He'd rather stay home and ride his horse. <laughs> That's right, yeah. And uh, <laughs> he, he would, he would go, and he told me this, that he, he would go for days at a time and not come home. I had a good friend that lived, <clears throat> I went to the Birch Creek Ranch, I don't know where that is, west of White Sulphur Springs. <laughs> well, I, then I have a, a good friend that lived at a little a small ranch farther west. His name, his last name was Culler, George Culler. And George and I, just kids, rode all over that country. We, you know, we just, you can't imagine the freedom that we had. We would leave his place and ride to a cow camp out between Ringling and White Sulphur Springs, stay there for a week. Well, there was no telephones. They figured you got there. Well, howdy. <laughs> God, here's what my old neighbors said to him. But anyway, uh, we just had freedom that you just can't believe. I told my mother when I was about seven, I was tired of living in town. She says, why did you go to the ranch? And that's what I did. <laughs> I don't think his mother was put up with much. <laughs> no, my mother believed in direct action. <laughs> Well, uh, her story is, is interesting, too, as she struggled to, to make things right economically, and uh, they were still after her for the, the settlement from the two sheep herders or the two sheep men, and uh, that case pended for, was in the courts for some time. And uh, Paul told me this, that uh, when uh, they, they, they issued a summons to go to court, the sheriff would call Aubrey and tell her that, that he was on his way, so she had time enough to get out and get in the car and go to Ringling and get on the train. <laughs> so she couldn't be served. <laughs> my, so. my mother was in the probate court, if you can believe it, for 14 years. But, and Mike Bergen was the sheriff at White Sulphur Springs. And the sheriff, of course, had the... I'm telling you something you already know, but the sheriff is the one that serves the papers. So he'd call my mother and say, I have these things to serve, and she'd get on a train and no one could find her. Uh, I couldn't find her. 
Uh, one of uh, Richard's friends and, and uh, helpers was uh, John Potter, who was uh, one of the young men he'd met when he first came to town. And he was, uh, he studied to be an engineer, I think. Yeah, dude Potter. Yeah, uh, but anyway, he worked for, with uh, John Ringling. And uh, he would, you know, take charge of going to schedule rodeos and things like that, so that uh, uh, John didn't have to do all of that. You know, he couldn't, he couldn't do it all because one man couldn't be that many places. So anyway, um, one of the highlights of, uh, of the rodeoing people was that um, they supplied the bucking horses for the the fight that they had at the Dempsey fight up in, where was that? Yes. Yeah. And Dempsey Gibbons. Yeah. Then in 1926, uh, the, uh, there, was, there was a fire in the stands in Bozeman, and uh, the uh, seating had to be replaced, and Richard decided to, well, he probably couldn't afford to at that time, and decided not to keep on with the rodeo, but he enjoyed that part of a good part of his life. <clears throat> and then he uh, died in 1931, uh, and uh, it, it fell to Aubrey then to, to take care of things. And she, she inherited a third of the Ringling Brothers Circus, and she, uh, she went with them, rode, and, and uh, did her bit. Uh, finally, in, in the 40s, I think it was, she finally, uh, she remarried, and uh, she finally decided that there was too much bickering going on in the meetings of the, of the circus, so uh, she sold the circus, her shares in the circus, and then she sold the property in Montana, and she and her husband retired to Florida, I think it was. He was a congressman. Okay, now... What have I forgotten? Well, do you want me to help you out a little? Yeah. Or are, are we going? Are we coming to the next spot? Yeah. Well, w what do we do, partner? <laughs> I'm in the book. I know. Well, yeah, we got to talk about you. Okay. Do I get to start now? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I help Lee out a little bit. Yeah. You know, one time Lee and I weren't too friendly. Oh, Is no. that correct? No, 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 never. But anyway. He was opposite political size, yeah. nothing, nothing serious. It wasn't easy to be a Democrat in Mark County. <laughs> <laughs> but any, when I graduated from high school, I worked five seasons on the circus myself. The first two years, I worked in the ticket department the second two years, I worked in the, the I can't just totally explain it to you, but the, the layout, setting it up, tearing it down, moving it, that was two years. And the last year, I checked outdoor advertising. That was 1941. And then I would be about 12 days ahead of the show and checked. I don't know if you... People, some of you remember how the billing would be for a circus in the stores and billboards and on the walls and 
the Dobbs on the barns and well, every one of those had an address and you know, and someone paid or got tickets for putting that, those sheets up in the stores. Well, then that was my job was to check. Number one, we were checking our own people to be sure they didn't throw them in the culvert and go to the local bar or something. <laughs> and then we wanted to be sure they were there. And so I would check a, a one bill poster into a town, say Helena, and then I would check a different one going out of town. And then in town, I'd check all the stores, there were places that were the bills up in the store. If it wasn't there, then I stopped in to find out why it wasn't there. If they just pulled them down and they marked their tickets no good. <laughs> well, I was gone by the time they come to, to go to the show about 10 days or 12 days later. <clears throat> but anyway, I spent five seasons on the circus myself and part of the time in winter quarters. Anymore, 42, I went in service. Yeah, and was a very prestigious serviceman, too. And then in 45, I went to school on the GI Bill. And then I was actually going to go back to work on the circus. It would have been the best job I ever had. I mean, money-wise and everything. But my wife, or um, you ladies here, I married my high school sweetheart in the 80s, 70-something. Years later, I lost her. But... Anyway, she couldn't travel with me because Rick is wandering around here somewhere. He was on the way, and she wouldn't be able. And then my family, the, the, they were suing each other back and forth in lawsuits. And I said, the heck with it. Well, that wasn't quite heck, but anyway. <laughs> so I didn't go back. I, I knew I could do better. Than, and then the, the management changed. I was hired. The management changed. The new management rehired me. Then I, my wife, her name was Elsie. We talked it over. And I said, there'll be another change in management, and I'll be out in the road. So I didn't go back. Uh, um, the, uh, just a little bit of note about the railroad, and then I think we might be through. Uh, <clears throat> The, uh, when, when, the, when John Ringling built the railroad, uh, uh, it was over a, a fairly smooth track, but they seemed to have a lot of problems with it. And uh, they, they didn't, one, the one thing was that was wrong with it, they didn't have enough business to keep it going. And it was, uh, what, uh, 11 miles to, to Ringling? Oh, no, tw from White Sulphur Springs to yeah. Ringling, it's more like 23. 23, okay. And uh, <clears throat> a lot of times it, toward the end they got to, so bad that when the uh, train pulled out of White Sulphur, the, the uh, crew, the repair crew, went along on the highway alongside them to <laughs> be there when they needed them. But <clears throat> uh, it, it, John Ringling had brought a, 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 some young people from, uh, I've forgotten where, Mississippi or someplace, to work on the railroad, and uh, they, uh, they managed it very well. And the highlight of the, the little ro uh, railroad 
was when they appeared in the movie, uh, the, the movie about the uh, pioneer lady who came out to Wyoming. They filmed it around White Sulphur, so that was the big deal for the train. My Uncle John Brothers kidded him and said his railroad wasn't very long, but it was as wide as anyone's. <laughs> yeah. Well, do we need to tell him any more? Let them, do we need to tell him any more? It's up to you, Lee. You're the head, well, head you, honcho here. <laughs> well, I, I, if you want to tell more stories, we'd like to hear them. Go ahead. No, you, you. Oh. Yeah. Well, you mean you want to get a little amount of my history? Well, my, your history and, and anybody my old, else. That's my old hometown is White Sulphur Springs. About, you know, most of you, it's about 80 miles east of here. And I lived at White Sulphur Springs. My, my wife, Althea, was born on a homestead in 16. Do you know where 16 is? East of Ringling, along the Milwaukee, the old Milwaukee. She was born on a homestead there. We were married in 1940. We stopped by at the, I never had much of a home after my dad died and my Althea never lived with her own family after she was about six or seven. So we stopped by real happy, kids going to get married, tell her mother we're on our way to get married. Her mother said it's about time. <laughs> <laughs> but. Anyway, it worked. Well, I have, you know, my youngest son, Rock, is sitting here, and my grandson, Rick, is sitting here, and I have a son, Rick, wandering around here somewhere. Oh, there he is. Take off your hat. <laughs> Thank you. And I spent quite a lot of time in Helena. I was on the board of the, what, what then was the PCA, the Montana Livestock. It's no longer a PCA, but was then. Then I was in the legislature from Mar County, if you can believe it. <laughs> Lee's hometown, I always got nine votes, but I never was <laughs> sure which nine it was. <laughs> and that's one precinct I never carried. Yeah, but you came and had lunch with us when you were campaigning. Oh, yeah. I, I, was, I rang every doorbell about in Mar County, but uh, everybody's polite, you know, and invite you in if they're gritting their teeth a little bit. No, no gritting. But I was in the legislature under the old, the old Constitution, not in the new one, but the old one. And so each county, and it's no longer that way, it's more districts, but... Each county had a senator, and each county had the, the representative. I had a good friend, a Republican in the House. I was in the Senate then, and uh, talking a little bit of politics. He, he was a Republican, me a Democrat, but we were good friends. And the next time it came around, they defeated his name was Claude Kiff. He lived at Wrigley, a, a, a great musician, clarinet and saxophone player. He and Miller Smith from here 
would put on some of the best programs you ever heard. Bill around the piano and Claude Piff on the clarinet or the saxophone. But anyway, they defeated Claude because they said he was too good a friend to me. <laughs> but then I was on the interim session. We had a hundred percent batting average. The house killed every bill we recommended. <laughs> Republican House, the Senate was still controlled by the Democrats. Hugo was the governor when I first, Hugo Aronson, a really a fine, you know, many of you people knew Hugo. He was a nice person, and he, he was a Swede, and I talked with a little Swede, von Thingy Ted, I said, oh, old Hugo, when I fall on my face, I'm six feet further ahead. <laughs> That's the kind of, he was a really a great guy. I liked him. Yeah. He, yes, Jay? Can I ask you a question? When you discharged from, or after you graduated from, from school and decided to leave the circus, did you, did you buy a ranch right after that? No. Uh, my mother was having a problem. When I, uh, one, one day, my mother had a foreman working for a nice, his name was Ike Mark, and she had a Chevrolet car. She was going to sell me, she was going to sell it to a guy. Paul Henry. Oh, Ike wanted the car, and he said, well, if you don't sell me the car, I'm going to quit. And she says, fine, go ahead, quit. And then she asked me if I thought I could run the ranch. And I said, well, I think I can. So from, the, from 46 to 49, that fall of 49, I told my mother when everything is done, everything is ready for winter, I'm leaving. Because uh, Whenever I'd go up, you know, I was operating the ranch, buying groceries and all that stuff. I'd go uptown here, she'd be hobnobbing with a guy she had to tan because he was stealing from her. And he'd tell her everything I was doing wrong. The ranch made money every year I was there. But anyway, Jay, then Elsie and I bought part of the ranch. And we paid more for it than she sold for some of the other people. <laughs> What do they call that, tough love? Hmm? Tough yes. love? Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> no. No, I don't, did I mention that uh, they lived in uh, the, the, the house that, uh, the old house that, very Victorian? Uh, oh, that was our home in White Sulphur yeah. Springs, yes. And that was the old Parberry. The, the name of the people that built the home where we lived was named Parberry. Oh. At White Sulphur Springs. Parbury and, was, excuse me. And right across the street was uh, Spencer. Did Spencer? Was a banker in White Sulphur Springs at the Central State Bank. You've read about the bank holidays to close the banks all over the country. And Gid had the Central State Bank. And he didn't like the new rules he'd have to operate under. So he. Gid paid, paid all the depositors, received the money. He took all the bad paper himself and closed the bank. 
I used to go over and eat breakfast with him. Then we had another neighbor across us. We never had hotcakes or waffles or stuff at home. So, <laughs> Gid Bergen and uh, Dave Berg was a gambler. And he didn't eat breakfast till about 10 in the morning. Mrs. Berger, Norwegian lady, really had a fine breakfast for him. So I go over there and visit with him and eat hotcakes and waffles and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but I never got it home. It was a great, it was a great time to be a kid. And then. I didn't wind up in I didn't wind up in jail and all that. <laughs> but I mean with your mother when you took off and you didn't come home for days. Oh heck. I'm not gonna criticize my mother. <laughs> you only have one mother. My mother hated my sweetheart. I had a high school sweet. Well, we were married for years, and then I lost her. But anyway, that's one reason I worked on the circus. That's one reason I graduated from high school in Livingston. She wanted to get me away from that girl. <laughs> Didn't work. Didn't work. No. No, you, you, had, you made a good choice. Uh, she's a lovely lady. Was a lovely lady. I'm partly colorblind. So when my mother quit buying my shirts, my wife started. <laughs> my wife said I needed a guardian when I went shopping, and she was right. <laughs> well, any more questions or reminiscences? Yes. What was the population of White Sulphur, say, during the 1930-1920s? Well, when I started school in the first grade, there were, 20, there were 27 of us children in the first grade. And the population of White Sulphur Springs then must have been close to, a, maybe it was 1,000 or more. And the railroad, uh, actually, the, the railroad made money until the Milwaukee went out. And of course, that was the end of the railroad. Yeah. I'd say about 1,000. And then there were a lot of homes, you know, small ranches and farmers around the the area. And then one thing, Lee, I'm going to correct you one. Okay. Lee mentioned that the circus never played Montana, <clears throat> but that's not true. The circus played Great Falls, Helena. That's right. And afternoon, <laughs> afternoon only in Missoula because they had to stop feeding water. You were on your way to the coast, but the, if the circus went up through Canada, then come down through Great Falls, if it went up to, to Denver and north, would be, be mostly, almost every year, Helen, then west of Missoula. Every, everything traveled on the railroad. I, I remember reading in the newspaper, uh, not the current newspaper, but the old newspapers in 1924, Charlie Russell went down to, to see the people and gave, uh, gave uh, the circus people sketches and things to take with them.
at the circus, there would have been about 1,250 people oh traveling. I think that includes the performers, the workers. So it took a, big, a tremendous crew to put this circus up, take it down, removed every day. Paul, can you tell them about uh, the uh, the way the four they they were had four trains? Yes. And <clears throat> could you tell them how they came and at what their scheduling? Well, the first train we called the the squadron, and that was the, the squadron, and I rode that two years. We would be rolling out of town, and the performance would still be going on. But the squadron carried the layout, the cookhouse. We'd unload, and hell, I got up, our, our wake-up call was 3.30 in the morning. And then we unloaded everything. Well, we say we're here in Helena. The cookhouse would be serving breakfast at six, and it was a good one. And then Lee mentioned the animals. There was no such thing as uh, as not treating an animal well on the circus. They were they were fed well. They were taken care of. Uh, the first two years that I worked on the show in '37 and '38, they sort of moved all of the things with teams with horse, two, four, and six horse eight-horse teams, and then the elephants, a lot of the elephants worked, but they were well-fed and taken care of. There was no such thing as abusing them in the circus. Where did performers Elena? Where did they, where went the performers in Helena? Did I know? We, 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 we had our own tent. I know, but where did you put the Oh, gee, I'm trying to... I got to tell you, had a whole army. The last time they were in Helena was in about 1952 or three, and they were down behind the army. Yeah, that's what I remember. Behind the army. Behind the army, down where the lines were. No, that, that would have been after I was traveling with them. Yes? How many animals? How many animals? Oh, gee. There were... You know, there were lions and tigers and elephants and monkeys and bears and oh, animals. If I put a number on them, I know I'm going to be wrong, but I'd say a couple of hundred. We well, had were, a lot of horses. Pardon me? You had a lot of horses. Oh, yes. Well, teams of horses. But uh, you're talking, I thought you meant like wild animals and monkeys. And, and then the elephants, a lot of the elephants worked. An elephant was a really a good work animal. And, you know, with a team, they might kind of, with an elephant, just kind of move real slow. And they were great for pulling up the center poles for the big top. Uh, and one other uh, thing we, we forgot to mention, I forgot to mention, is uh, the, uh, uh, Taylor Gordon. Uh, who traveled with uh, the Ringlings, and and was uh, worked for the Ringlings. And uh, his is, a, is an interesting story too. Who, who was that, Lee? Did I get it right? The Negro from Taylor Gordon. Oh. Taylor Gordon. What did I, I say? Oh, Taylor Gordon. Taylor Gordon was raised at White Sulphur Springs. Right. Yes. And he used to drive the car for for Ringlings when they come out, and 
he would go to, sh when the Ringlings went to show land to these uh, people to buy, and, and then he traveled with, uh, with the Ringlings, and he was sort of John's valet, as it were, and uh, he had some interesting experiences to tell about traveling with the circus. Yeah, Gordon was black. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Gordon, the Gordon family were black. black they called family. him Snowball. <laughs> oh. Well, anyway. Well, thank you so much, Paul. Uh, Taylor Gordon was about the same age as my mother, and his sister Rose was a little older. But I think Taylor and my mother were about the same age. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, again, I apologize for getting my notes all mixed up, but it worked well. <laughs>